Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 92. We are in them borderlands. I'm broadcasting live. We are broadcasting live, me and Jesse, from the Worldwide Gospel Underground headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. It's great to be in person. It's good to be in the shed quarters. We've got all kind of sophistication, at least being attempted uh, today, guys, with video and things, and hopefully it'll cut together well at the end. Got new lighting, got new logo. Very, very happy it's gonna about cut to, that. It's going to cut together great because you are a wizard. <laughs> no, we need a, we're getting to the point where we probably need a producer. We do. And I wonder if, if kids stay out of school forever, I could hire one of my kids and uh, put them to work. Katami, I guess he's too young, but I, he can just do around the house chores, right? That's legal. Yeah. Oh, for sure. He just can't do child labor. Yeah, well... <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what's good, man? What's new uh, in Jesse world? I've, I haven't seen you in person in, in a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we went on vacation last week and so I'm very rested. We were, uh, we were at the beach in Florida and, uh, we avoided the, uh, what was it? Sally, the tropical storm down <laughs> That's there. Right. That's we right. were on the other side. So, so, uh, family got away, man, it was restful. Sometimes, you know, when you have a bunch of small kids, Vacation's not very restful, yeah, but this one was pretty good, pretty restful. So did they have other kids to play with. That's no, always- no, it was just us. Um, but we just didn't cram much into the week. It was yeah. basically just pool, beach, uh, sleep, read sleep. some books. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I brought it. I always do this. I brought like this many books. Yeah, and read six and I read, pages. Like, I read like <laughs> a couple chapters of one of them. You know, it's hard with little kids. So yeah, for sure. What Audio, about you, man? Audiobooks is the saving grace. Oh, you've got a you've got a brilliant genius daughter. I apparently I have a brilliant genius. Well, daughter, you have yeah. more than one brilliant genius daughter. Well, well, well Kayla was on with Kayla us. Kayla was on week, last yeah, week, and yeah. she told us about Washington and Lee uh, overthrowing our government or not. Actually, <laughs> we're teaching kids how to write persuasive essays. Yeah, so uh, she's doing well, and yeah, Kyleen decided on her own to take the SAT early um, before her junior year. You, we were thinking she'd take it maybe once in the fall, and then certainly in the spring, and try to ramp up to to get a good super score. So she's a she's a sophomore. She's a junior. Junior. Yeah, okay. she just started her junior That's right. year. Yeah. yeah, and so she did. She did really well, man. We she were, did really we're, well we're, is an understatement, <laughs> right? She she did almost perfect, didn't she? Uh, she did almost perfect in math, and I guess pretty close. And verbal as well. She was a few, you know, just just below the sixteen hundred. Fifteen sixty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kylene, you are a genius. Yeah, yeah. Kylene, if you listen to this, we're proud of you. Your pastor, your dad. We think you're great. Crushed it. Um, science and math, uh, young lady. We're just super, super excited about how she, and also a very good um, apologetic thinker. She's uh, she sees well in terms of uh, the Christian view of life and understands when she hears arguments to the con contrary how she sees through those things very well and and is very articulate even with uh, her mm-hmm. friends that she cares about and loves who she's sharing about jesus with um so i'm, I'm telling her go get a phd she loves john lennox the oxford yeah, mathematician yeah. who's irish which you know our family's very irish and so i was like yeah he's he's old you know you go get a phd and be, be the next john lennox that's right you know Ooh, right, I like right that. on math and jesus or something someday with a phd in math and be a professor and a teacher well whatever she wants to do um she also wants to be a mom, which is cool, but love it, man. And uh, now we're like, oh, Lord, 
please let our kid go to college for free. <laughs> you know? um, so we'll see how that goes. But thanks, thanks, I, and thanks for bringing that up. Uh, we talked about that beforehand, guys. And and Jesse wants to embarrass embarrass me, but I'm no, proud of that's her. not. Why would that be embarrassing? <laughs> I don't You've know. I just a, don't want to sound like oh, yeah, well, my kids are smart kids, and I want to brag about it on a podcast, that kind well, of thing. But yeah, we're they we're, are smart kids. Yeah, they're 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 smart and kind, and you know they know the Lord right now, mm. and that's uh, what we're grateful for, bro. Amen. Amen. And your kids are little, but they're going to get big. It just, they are. And I don't know that the, there's a 1560 in their future, but we we love them anyway. Yeah. Well, they're great kids. Not, you know, I didn't get anything very close to that either. <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. It's like, we look at that with cross-eyed and say, yeah. and then Tommy, you know, our son's bring up the rear. We're saying, Hey, just you be you and yeah. do your best. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, he's really close to Kylie and super proud of her as well. But mm-hmm. your oldest is how old now? Oldest, we have 10, 9, and 8, and then we have a 2-year-old. That's right. You have that countdown. Yes. Yeah. 10, 9, 8, and... Uh, Take a deep breath. And two. then 2. Yeah. So, it's like no, f- nowhere close to SATs yet. Got some time, but um, those uh, from 10 to 17 will go... Yeah. Like yeah. That. My 10-year-old is going to be an engineer or an inventor or something. He's just always... Tinkering, tinkering, and building things, and pulling things apart, and trying to figure out how they work, and then putting them back together, and improving them, and like he's a kid that if uh, you were driving down the road and there was a somebody throwing a microwave out on the side of the road, he'd be like, "Dad, can we let's can, look at the circuit board and that? Did we get that and take it apart?" <laughs> oh, that's and then great. he'd be like, "I'm going to use this circuit board to build a robot." Like, wow, love it, curiosity, man. Yeah. That's uh, that's so central to actually learning mm. and learning about God's world and. Well, very cool. And living uh, in the and living in the borderlands. And living in the borderlands. We've we've said all along this podcast is a dialogue that takes place in the borderlands between the church and culture. So we're very interested in how the the gospel of Jesus Christ, where it lives in lands, is always with people and culture. And every cultural season and moment and place has a certain distinctive to it, and ours certainly does as well. So our topic today, uh, it, you may, we may shift the title around a little bit or just keep it in slang. We're in them borderlands. Um, we've talked about that here before, you know, in the episodes 30s or something, we did an episode on the borderlands. But we want to bring that up a little bit more today. Um, obviously, the Gospel Underground as a ministry, our mission is to advance the mission of God. That's an outward thrust by the of the King. Them uh, in the borderlands between the church and culture. And so what we mean by borderlands we think is helpful to us and we think will be helpful to you guys as well as you walk in them. And so um, people exist in culture, right? People, the, the phrase people exist in culture like fish exist in water. And that that's true, right? There's right. no... Um, no non-enculturated human. Right. In some ways, culture is just what we swim in. Like That's right. Fish, yeah. We use language. We have art. Yeah. We have, you know, we have heart level stuff like our f- religious affections that flows out yeah. and creates culture out of that. People yeah. debate whether religion is kind of an artifact or culture or a central driving force. Mm-hmm. I, I'm more on the thing that that's a heart level thing that drives the creation of, of, of even language and culture and all sorts of cultural artifacts. Mm-hmm. But we're not fish, right? At least... Not anymore, uh, depending on who you, who, you, who you ask. 
we're not fish. We're conscious, thinking, worshiping, spiritual beings, right? Capable of what, you know, even philosophers would call a transcendent awareness. Mm. Now, depending on people's worldview, they would define that. Our awareness of being able to think about the future, to reflect on the past, to be conscious of our own self and existence, to even have fears about our ceasing to exist. Um, Why that is, right, uh, depends on where you're coming from. For us, that is because we're creating the image and likeness of our creator, that we're very special things, right? Fish are not creating the the iPhone that you're holding. Um, Maybe they want to and just, just don't have the... They need they need a fin keyboard. Um, so but so no one is exempt uh, from having cultural influence on them. And then, of course, you know, human beings and groups of human beings, community uh, exert influence on culture right. and create and shape it. So whether that's good or bad or somewhat neutral, the cultures we live in. Right. Um, I've used the phrase we can receive these things from God as gifts. Some of some of culture is beautiful and receive rejoice. Some need to be redeemed. Right. There's something that's good that's fallen or twisted that needs to be restored to its right purpose and place. Yeah. Uh, you know, like our sexuality is certainly like that. Um, God gave it it's a good thing but it can be we can pervert it um and then you could look at politics in that category right organization of human beings into societies and politics Uh, the rule of law that can be a good thing that can be a wicked thing that can be a perverted thing obviously god is a lawgiver so law in and of itself is actually good for us yeah Um, i think the bible would say the perfect law that gives liberty or freedom but obviously laws can be draconian they can be oppressive they can be tyrannical um, so yeah, we have to redeem that and play, put things in their proper place, so to speak. And then aspects of culture, uh, we absolutely, all of us have to reject as wicked, right? There are things that human beings, even ourselves would either create in our imaginations, in, instantiize in the world right. that are just not good. And I don't need to name those things because there's many, and we simply need to be non-participating in those kinds of things because they're one for us, not pleasing to God. So what is a borderlands, right? Um, we use this phrase. It's a sometimes historically is like a, a an area between two nation states, perhaps sometimes disputed uh, areas of political volatil- volatility, sometimes contested for where people and culture can clash. Uh, sometimes even go to war. Now, Webster's Dictionary sometimes is helpful, sometimes states the obvious. The first definition for uh, a borderland, Jesse, is uh, very just self-evident. A territory at or near a border. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you for helping border us. Borderland, yeah. yeah. Thank okay. you for helping us, Mr. Webster. But the, there's a third definition there in the dictionary that says I, that I think speaks to our situation uh, in time in a real way. It says, a vague intermediate state or region. Mm, that's right. Yeah. When I think of, uh, you know, I've been very influenced by Abraham Kuyper and his political kind of philosophy. Dutch of, theologian. Yeah, Dutch theologian. Statesman. The president of the Netherlands. Uh, what were they called then? Uh, he was the um, prime, minister, prime minister, I yeah. think, of the Netherlands. Started a newspaper. Actually started a political party, I think. Um, and the idea there being spheres of sovereignty that that God, in a sense, loans out sovereignty for uh, not just the main spheres, which maybe we would think of as the church, the state, and the family, right? But actually, same with the uh, homeowners association and the pool, right. the pool, the local pool, uh, private pool, and the you know your workplace. And each of these places have a kind of uh, almost a borrowed, you know, uh, 
sovereignty to live and 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 create their own rules and their own cultures, and that and that a good society uh, is when the plurality of these of these spheres are working together for the common good. And there's overlap, but it's not always clear. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Like where one thing overlaps and how yeah. how far they overlap and who. You know who gets to have the dominant kind of ideas yeah. in an American political context historically the the quote unquote separation between the the authority of the state and the authority of the church you know obviously was separated, which was foreign to europe right, right, um, right. and foreign other places you know the the uh, uh, all over the world uh, people's gods uh, typically you know if you ask a sincere uh, committed Orthodox Muslim, they're going to think the authority and sovereignty of Allah greater than whatever political nation state there is. Now, in a, in a Western sense, that you know that's rejected, um, whether that's Roman Catholicism or that's Islam or whatever it might be, or some Protestant state church in Sweden. You right, know, historically, right. uh, those things are separated and given their freedom to exist and make decisions and operate. Um, and that that brings tensions because there's a borderlands between the church and state because sometimes there are people with religion involved in the state and how that's does right. that work? That's right. And that's that's where I was saying like with the kind of Kuiperian vision of the way the world works under God, uh, all of those fears are in the borderlands between the church, that's right. you know, the <laughs> church right. and culture in that's a sense right. of the church. Right. And, and so that that's how we so that's that's kind of where we are in the borderlands. And I think the big picture, Jesse, of the Bible is that the world is God's creation he he inhabit he he comes into it. He's its ruler. He's its creator yeah. and ruler. Um, yet it's fallen, and there's even language like the prince and of the power of the air. Yeah. That there is a this present realm. Uh, there's a kingdom coming where God's rule will be fully and absolute. Now there are principalities and powers, yeah. both human demonic, uh, that are involved in this world. And so even now we are kind of living as a Christian. We we're, we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven in uh, an occupied land, so yeah. to speak, uh, and with with its own local cultures and national cultures and mm. political cultures. And certainly uh, in our day, we want this idea that you would have a self-knowledge that, hey, I, you're a borderland person, that you are not your own, you belong to the king, uh, and you're, you're maybe we're Virginians, uh, I'm a Blacksburgian, there's certain aspects of people and culture of that, Americans, what's that mean? And these things are not uh, clear all the time. They're contested, difficult to understand. Now, what is in, when we say in the borderlands, what, what is in that place? Well, we're going to say there's ideas, there's people, and there's worship, right? There's more, but we're going to say that today. And, and when we say ideas, right, as a, you know, as a follower of Jesus, I became a Christian in 1992, uh, turning 20 years old, uh, studying physics and in a university setting who was raised in America with kind of a, you know, probably a quasi, maybe there's a God kind of view. And, and, but the ideas that Jesse and I would both hold is that we believe that there's a God, a creator of all things. We believe that, uh, people are fallen, that sin entered, uh, the world, brokenness, chaos. So we see, right. 
teleology, design and purpose, and dysteleology, brokenness and fracture. Mm. We believe that God is loving, forgiving, but also just and holy, the right judge of all the world. We believe that God saves and rescues people from this fracture and broken and his judgment. Um, and, and that's the... Uh, the work of his king, Jesus, the the one who came and died for us and has risen again and rules his people now. Um, and we believe God has been at work saving and redeeming people and will from all peoples and uh, tribes and tongues till, till the end, until kingdoms come. This is the work of the Messiah, the Holy One, Jesus, the one who's raised from the dead, who rules and reigns now and forever, right? And to be a Christian means more than like, oh, I'm going to go to heaven when I die. It means that now we belong to the realm of the king. These are ideas that we hold. Uh, we hold them strongly. We cherish them, right? And here's the thing. There are lots of ideas in this world. There are lots of cultural ideas. There's lots of creations and things of people. And it, this this is, Jesse, um, an idea I heard from... A gentleman named Dr. David Mahan. Dave Dave is the director of the Rivendell Institute for Christian Thought and Learning that's at Yale University. Uh, a group of scholars that are in a nonprofit setting but connected to the university. In fact, Dave and others teach in different various departments of the university there. And he gave a great metaphor to think about uh, if you're a Christian, you have a certain set of beliefs and convictions and uh, loves, uh, but yet you're in the world that maybe has different uh, beliefs, affection, and loves about the very same things. And he used the uh, uh, the idea from plate tectonics. Um, so if you have like two uh, big continental plates next to each other, right, could we call it a fault line in, in geology, um, when they move, right, uh, what happens? <laughs> There's an earthquake. It's an earthquake, yeah, man, right. The ground opens up. And, yeah. Yeah. We feel the earth move under we our feet. feel it, Yeah. yeah. And so if you think about even something as simple as what is the human self yeah, in a contemporary cultural setting in North America, that is a very, very different conception. So give me, give me your best shot. I know I'm putting you on the spot. Oh gosh. What is the Christian view of the self? How, where do you find your self-identity from? Okay. The Christian view of the self. Or okay. a, a Christian view of the self. A. Let's be, let's be <laughs> No, I can speak yeah. for all of, all of Christianity <laughs> yeah. and, and all of history. Yeah. Uh, you know, the self derives from God, so uh, made in the Im- Imago Dei, or the image of God. That's right. Uh, male and female, he created them. So this is, uh, I think it's Genesis 125 through 28, 26 through 28, that the self, uh, that, that uh, we are made in the image of God. Humans uh, carry the likeness of God. Male and female are made uh, engendered in ways that represent and image God uh, in unique ways. It's rule and reign. We um, have a job to do. We have work to do. We're entrusted from the beginning with a, you know, a, a kind of a mandate, a cultural or dominion yeah. mandate to, to rule and reign and expand and create. And uh, and then I would also say that we're, we're by, na- by the nature of being made in the Imago Dei, the image of God, we are relational because God in his triune na- nature overflows yeah. uh, into it, creating us in his image to be in relationship with, with yeah. one another. And what you just said is 
the Christian view of the self, but it's not our just our view of Christians, right? Correct. Uh, all That's human right. beings have yeah. this rule and reign. We're we're here on the earth to represent, you know, what God is doing and yeah. to do good and flourish and build together, complement you know, humans, male, female. Which are which is right. not which is not based on it's not only not just based on religious preference or or uh, tribe, allegiance right, yeah. or tribe. It's also not based on skin color, ethnicity, right. but and then it's also not based on utility. That's right. So, uh, so it, the Christian view of the self is the self is not more valuable if you can contribute more to society, right. or, or, le- or you know, less, or if you or have less. a certain number of chromosomes, or if you have a certain. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this is what Jesse just described. There is kind of an identity that is derived from. The person of That's God, right. our very being, our existence, right? Philosophers say we have being because God is and created us. Yeah. And then we have these roles and we understand ourselves in, in light of that. Now, today, kind of a, say, a modern, maybe secular view or maybe the uh, floating along view that we might see in our yeah. culture is very different. It's self is eclectic. Self is created, yeah. that you're creating yourself, you're learning yourself, you're, you're discovering and creating your truth. You're combining various experiences that you might want to create yourself. Yeah, Those two views are very, very different. Fault lines. And when they come in together, right? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. And so you even bring in the question of authority. Like you mentioned sphere sovereignty, like that we, you know, the state has a right authority or the family has a right authority. Um, that today with our eyes of freedom, right? Yeah. Say some of the idolatry or false ideas about freedom is like uh, the old song we used to sing at a bar and cause I'm free to do what I want any old time. That there's, yeah. there's folks that worship their freedom in America. I'm free so I can do it. But yet God calls us, right, his servants, that we belong mm. to him, uh, and that we, we in sense, are followers and not just yeah. uh, free automatons. Now, these are very different views. And so when that, you talk to, say, a real conservative political person who you say, hey, you, you know, none of us are really free to do whatever we want, that's going to clash and create right. these earthquakes. And I think that's a very helpful thing to think about. Is like, wow, what do people actually think about freedom, authority, the self, right? Um, what do they think about the future? Right. Um, is that an optimistic view or, or does somebody view the future uh, as a, a coming either environmental or, you know, all the sci-fi movies, some sort of collapse and dystopia, right. messed up world that we come in? Or like the, the, the view we have is like amazingly positive yeah. about the future if, if, if we're under the authority and on the team of God, right? So if you think about that, even today with, you know, we're about to have an election, um, Supreme Court justice just passed away that revered and respected by many respected even by her opponents. That's one of the beautiful things about human beings that you can respect and should respect uh, the work of, of, of someone else. Even if you disagree with them, Uh, the Scalia stories and Ruth Bader Ginsburg stories, I think are very valuable. The Michelle Obama's and George Bush being friends. Those are good examples for us. But in our day we're in this tense season, uh, right? We have Donald Trump as president. We have an election coming. We have literally, uh, uh, chaos at times amongst people. Uh, we have oppression, we have injustice, we have uh, people trying to use all these kinds of things for their political ends on on every side, right. I believe. And so in light of that, we are very divided. And I think this idea of you know tectonics is like, hey, if you're talking to your conservative friends, or if you're talking to your liberal friends, 
you need to see where those earthquakes are because look, we're people, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, yeah. right? Those are what we call children of God. Um, if we're to per- perform that role, we need to understand these earthquakes a little better. So ideas are, are in the borderlands. Good. Yeah. And people, right? So, you know, the borderlands in the, in the cultural, you know, borderlands between the church and, and culture and the world around us is not just a kind of, um, uh, this sort of floating idea world where we're just, you know, all academics, academicians. Yeah. yeah. Or, um, you know, Richard Weaver wrote a book, right. Ideas have consequences, which is a, um, really a, an influential book and they have consequences uh, for people, but they have consequences for people. That's yeah. right. And, and, and it's not as though they're disembodied kind of, uh, battlegrounds where ideas are just going to war. It's actual, we're, we're real people and people are embodied and people, uh, identify with, uh, the different kind of ideas and, and overlap and intersect with each other. So a few things about people. And really one of the things that, um, when we think about culture and people that I find helpful is to think about, um, our, our allegiances or our, um, orientations, you know, and, yeah. and so some, some of the things that yeah. I, I love, you've been thinking about this word in terms of the kingdom too, yeah. about allegiance to Messiah and, um, some helpful insights that you shared with me on that. And obviously, you know, as little kids, I don't know if they still do this. I haven't asked my, my uh, kids in the public school, if they still yeah. stand up and say pledge they allegiance. pledge allegiance yeah. to the flag of the United, you know, this whole idea of flag allegiance. Well, it's really saying that I am bowing a knee to the uh, ideas and culture that is this. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so even the idea of allegiance to our nation, um, it's not a, it's not a bad thing, right? So the idea of like a civil religion, meaning that we have our, you know, our rituals right. like pledging allegiance or, or standing and putting a hand over the heart to sing yeah. the national anthem yeah. or kneeling or in the, or in the, yeah, we're kneeling. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and these rituals signal certain things, not just to the world, but to ourselves, right? Yeah. We're kind of habituating. This is my orientation towards yeah. my nation. And, uh, or in the darker places that we've seen in human history, for instance, when people raise a hand to a certain flag and, and say something about mind Fuhrer or whatever, right, right. we see that these allegiances people do people have allegiances but uh, the really interesting thing is what are they what are they right so people have allegiance to their own self-interest this is maybe the most baseline yeah right we just kind of operate with that sort of default so why toilet paper runs out of the grocery store when there's a crisis that's right that's right (laughs) i I need i need need my backside take care of triple ply before it sells out uh yeah so we have allegiance to our own self-interest we have allegiance to our families and so, uh, so we're, we're, you know, and, and the, the, again, this isn't a bad thing. Allegiance to our families, allegiance to maybe our particular ethnicity or ethnic backgrounds, our racial kind of, you know, backgrounds. So there's allegiance there, uh, allegiance to their nation, our nation, our country, uh, allegiance to our loves. Right. So, yeah. you know, in, in, uh, you know, really that's kind of a broad way of saying just what do we love the most? And yeah. in those things, we, we tend to bow the knee to. Yeah. Uh, allegiance to our appetites. Again, this is kind of appetitive. Uh, it the, could even be lusts, right? Yeah. yeah the Not things, just sexual, but many lusts. In like, some ways, you could look at uh, allegiance to love as allegiance to agape, you know, right. to use that kind of Greek right. idea. And, yeah. and appetites might be eros, you yeah. know, the things, you know, eros, the idea of erotic love, which isn't only sexual. Right. It's just. 
yeah, yeah the competitive word, drive yeah, you know the word lust in the bible just mean like i need right yeah whatever yep. that could be money power and, and often that's coming from uh something lower than your twisted you know, in your loves maybe yeah. And, yeah and it may be that's right yeah. so and then uh and then allegiance to god or yeah. many gods right religious yeah. Yeah. allegiances yeah and uh and and i would say i want to add something to this to say um there's a there's a proxim, proximity here. There's a place yeah. that's involved in yeah. people, right? Because we, because as a person, I'm limited by my body. I am right. somewhere, and yeah. so I think that there's a there's also maybe an allegiance Ge- to place. geospatially temporally located. I, think <laughs> I I wrote that in an email one time and it ended up in a footnote in we, my friend's book. As a matter of fact, when I first was getting to know you, Reed, we were uh, we were studying your friend's book, Doctor Allison's book on uh, sojourners and strangers, a book about the church. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, we were we were laughing at how complicated one of the the seven marks of a church is. Right, right. We were laughing about it. It was actually one of the more helpful points, but but we were like, man, he like tried to, he just like got it all in there. Spatio-temporal eschatological yeah. reality. And we yeah. were like, wow, he really, and then I looked at the footnote and I was like, read Monaghan. You gotta be kidding me. Space, we exist somewhere. That's right. You, like on the block. Yeah. Right. Temporal, we time. exist in time. That's right. Some That's win, right. and then uh, you know, eschatological, so might, informed by the future. Yeah, you yeah. might say people are spatio-temporal, eschatological. <laughs> <laughs> you might. Yeah. Uh, it's obnoxious. I apologize for so, that. Yeah, so, so many gods or God, there's a kind of worship yeah. allegiance. Yeah. Well, ideas um, exist in the borderlands. People do, and people are precious. Yeah. All human beings are made in the image of God and they have value just because. Um, and so like I saw a thing on Twitter today where a guy was laughing because a, a police officer was ro- rolling his bicycle and a protester really was being obnoxious and, yeah. and laid down right in front of him and he just rolled the bike over him. And the commentator thought that was funny. And I just said, this is not funny. Yeah. On either side, these are all human beings that matter, and people are scoring Twitter points on stuff. And that's uh, people are precious. They're in the borderlands. Yeah. People are hurt by ideas and, and allegiances. And that's yeah. right. And and when you're when when we have idea wars or we weaponize ideas, uh, those actually are coming from and landing on actual people. We forget the person. Right. They're not all yeah. Russian robots. Yeah. So, some of them are actually people. Yeah. And that's where there's a tricky thing because we have to debate ideas. We right. have to care about truth. We have to, you know, and then we have to love and respect persons. That's why and, one of the most, yeah. one of the most, uh, one of our podcasts that I refer people to the most is the one on civility. Because mm, yeah, I think yeah. right now, I mean, yeah. it's not a, it's not about we got to just lay down the arms and say, all right, well, there's no because you're a person, just do whatever you want, say whatever yeah. you want, believe whatever you want. Because yeah. uh, that stuff hurts people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's more about how you know the how. Yeah, and so the reason why the borderlands matter so much is that those are where. It, you know, things break out and tensions arise. Ideas are contestants, allegiances clash, fault lines form. And because of that, we can't forget during some of these earthquakes, there are human beings there that matter deeply. And then finally, you mentioned this as one of the allegiances for human beings. And I, I'm going to pull it out as one of the more, more important ones is that in the borderlands, worship is taking place. 
And so by that, it's all of us being brought up before some person or object or idea. And we kind of, we literally bow down. We serve these things. We follow after them. And whatever we're worshiping, right, starts to order our culture, starts to order our personal world. Um, And when we worship something, like say, for instance, you think, you know, your political vision or your favorite politic who's owning somebody in the debate or something is central, then you're going to look at people being hurt and disdained with callousness um, and without love. Love, as the Bible says, will have grown cold uh, in us. And so this is something I've thought through a lot. And this is a weird thing, Jesse. And we did a podcast on this uh, a couple of years ago on identity. Um, ID check, I think it was what it called. You can search for it on our website. But identities, people have really a core to who they are, and I think that's located more in what they love and worship. And then they have a lot of what I call secondary or existential or experiential identities based on things we do that do matter, right? One of the things in Christian interaction, people, you know, you're not what you do. That's, well, true enough. Like, I'm not a human doing. I'm a human being. Uh, you know, with right. athletes, we would say, you're, you're not just a football player. Right. You're more than that. Right. But we can't say to people that the things they do, that God gives us to do don't matter to who we are or or aren't even definitional uh, even if there's uh lower levels aren't, right. aren't still contributing to identity very much so right right and so they, i came up with this a few years ago trying to help some athletes out and say i said a core identity is your deepest and truest self now it's a little bit mysterious for us but not to god he knows it and is defined relationally in other words, it's more than what we do, but it's rather reflected about where we belong, yeah. right? The communities we call, I like the word home. This is home. Mm. What is your team? Your core identity is defined by love. Now, as a Christian, the love of God, uh, the finding of place in his family, the church, these things are core to who we are. I try to teach my kids all the time because, you know, they're trying to, Kylie's trying to get straight hundreds in school and she's playing soccer. Not just trying. Yeah, no. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> she's doing it. <laughs> um, you know, she's, she's got goals. and But, yeah. but she could sh- shift and she's not her SAT school. Right. And what happens when she gets a 99? That's right. Or the kind That's of grades right. I used to get. Or a B. I always joke with her. Hey, yeah. you're just going to get a B someday. It's going to be a good day. Because what I don't want is something yeah. shifting in her that her performances right. or right. even even like um, uh, many of us are susceptible to this, the praise we get for uh, mm. the points and prizes we get for the performance, mm. right? Uh, that's dangerous. That's where the identity shifts and something secondary or existential yeah. or experiential that we do becomes primary, becomes core, yeah. right? And so, so I'd say secondary identity is related to various things we do that shape who we are as we travel through life in various circumstances and in various relationships. So for me, like growing up, it was important that I played football and I was a wrestler. That was important, but it couldn't be who I was, mm. right? It just it's 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 not functionally good as a foundation yeah. for my life. It's important when I grew up that I like math and science, right? I, it was very formative to my life, but it could, it can't be foundational. It's important even someone's someone's say religious, right? That even can't be foundational unless that religion means this kind of uh, covenantal accepted relationship with right. God. And so, and what I'm talking about here, Jesse, is not just getting our priorities out of a whack. Cause everybody says, keep your priorities straight. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, there are more important, well, some people, isn't that something not more important than their grades or how much money they make, but I'm talking about something different than getting the list order wrong. You know, God, family, school, yeah. soccer, that kind of thing. I'm talking about a, a heart identity 
in a heart home that what we love deepest, right, at the most fundamental level, that happens in the borderlands, and there is competition there. Yeah. There are things and people that want to draw away. Uh, if, if you follow Jesus, right, draw yeah. your allegiance to other places, draw your loves, draw your worship, whether that's yourself, your money, your passions, your lusts, your interests, your politics. And here, Jesse, we arrive, right, to where um, we're living today in, yeah. in America in 2020. You probably have friends that you might think or perhaps or maybe think you have had your allegiance skewed away from maybe uh, the centrality of Jesus and the love of God to something else, right? Politics, our view of racism, uh, our specific views of being anti-racist. There are folks that are saying this is the right way. This is the absolutely wrong way to be anti-racist. And I've been thinking about, you know, like the civil rights movement, um, I had the ultimate blessing, bro, growing up to be invited as a little boy. I wasn't even Christian yet. I was 12, like a 12 year old little boy, white kid, America. I was aware of my immigrant, you know, my great grandfather immigrated, that yeah. kind of thing from Ireland when, when the, 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 the imperialists were trying to kill the Irish. Um, <laughs> same here. Yeah. Yeah. So I was aware of that, but yeah. I was a little white kid in America and a friend named Sean Foreman, uh, I'll never forget, invited me. Hey, I'm going to the BCC, Black Culture Club. You want to go? I was like, yeah, of course I want to go. I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. I uh, walk into a room, of course, where I'm the, the only white kid. Uh, a lot of black females uh, and a lot of black uh, black guys. And so history, history uh, was was a big focus in the Black Culture Club, both through middle school, um, Princeton Junior High School in Virginia yeah. Beach and Kellam High School uh, in Virginia Beach. And I learned certain things about civil rights movement and things. And then as I got older, you start reading, you know, with a little bit more intellectual rigor, the the, the letter from Birmingham Jail by Dr. King, which is drawing on a, an intellectual natural law tradition yeah. in order to confront and even shame, rightfully shame, um, hypocritical, non-active, white moderate, Christian, moderate right. Christians. That's his, his aim there. So, um, But the civil rights movement then was led, obviously Dr. King's a black clergyman, Baptist minister, um, and so he's speaking to many who claimed Christianity from a Christian intellectual tradition, calling people to the founding principles that he saw maybe as redeemable in America. Uh, could we possibly live together and live up to these yeah. things? And the, the white clergy... Um, who were racist and systemically creating things like Jim Crow, Christians, right, in the yeah. South. Uh, and look, if you're a white person and I say that and you get, oh, you get your, you know, your pants in a bunch over that, don't, because it's true. It's just factual aspects of our history. So Dr. King's speaking to them. But here's yeah. the thing. Uh, the assumptions maybe of uh, worldview uh, were similar, that God is real, that people are, you know, not— basically good there's there's a sinfulness to people uh that there needs to be change and redemption and that hey maybe there's a different future that's better and so today today there's some differences perhaps jesse that that i'm just noticing in what's going on in our discussions with each other um certainly the the myriad discussions that i'm engaging with people from different varying backgrounds that we still have white christian nationalism like we did in the civil rights movement, yep. right? Um, today we have a- a- added some sauce into that, which I'm just calling a Trumpian posture and rhetoric. 
right? Um, where we like to insult each other. We like to just be, you know, now some people say, oh, own the libs and all that kind of stuff. So you have white Christian nationalism that still exists yes. with a little bit of special sauce, Trumpian posture and rhetoric. Now, if I pissed you off by saying that, let me say this. <laughs> Make them all angry. Yeah. Yeah. We still today have a radical leftism, right? In, in post-World War II, the mass competition ideologically in, in the whole world, right, uh, that affected pretty much almost the whole world, was between communism and more, say, free market dem- yeah. democracy ca- capitals led by the West, maybe the NATO allies and the Soviet, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republic, yeah. right, republics. Um, so today we still have a radical. The left isn't gone. You know, there's still some people that think those are good ideas, right, to have a, a more socialist, communistic kind of vision of life and community. Uh, now we've added a little special sauce that comes from epistemology and identity-based yeah. uh, views of reality, yep. uh, things like critical theory. Yeah, uh, That there is not... Uh, I'm a realist in terms of philosophy. I believe that God has presented us the world. He's given us tools of language and thinking, reason, to be able to grasp at least difficulty, not perfectly, not absolutely, uh, but to from our places to be able to think and agree that there are certain things that are true. Right. We may have differing perspectives and or, or backgrounds, uh, backgrounds where we're coming from. But there right. is an ultimate reality that has been made accessible to us because God has created it. Right. Right, and that's you know it's easy to say maybe in a mathematical scientific sense, right? In my, right. My my academic background, but it's also in a moral sense that the moral universe that's yeah. derivative by God's creation and God's being, right? That uh, goodness is derived from the one who's good. Uh, that is real as well, and so there's not like all these little tribal views of morality. Right. There is morality, and so Dr. King would call people to that, right? Yeah. In in the civil rights movement, and then people today are looking at say what's happening happening even just recently last night and say looking at Louisville right, through right. their perspectives and thinking something's wrong here and nobody knowing what it is or people knowing what it is and have very different views of that that's right and not even and like what you're saying is not even sharing a kind of um uh ideological or uh or um not not they're no longer sharing a worldview in which that conversation can even really happen there may be a loss of foundational understanding yeah, because that's taking place of, because in the of these kind of epistemological uh, differences that have been you know they yeah. kind of going this way yeah. so that it, you know it's harder and harder to just call someone to account for something that because on different sides they understand reality so totally right. differently. So so for instance, the call to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Right or do to others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, the the positive version of the golden rule that comes through Jesus. Right. There's yeah. other views. Maybe some call the negative golden rule of like don't do to others what they don't want you, you wouldn't want done to you. Uh, that exists in lots of major living world religions and historical world religions. Yeah. But this idea of love your neighbor, love your enemies, do to others as you have them to do to you. Um, now, do we hold that in common? Well, maybe not because we got guys, conservative guys, mocking people getting their heads run over with a bicycle. Uh, on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so it's more like, oh, I, I have to be kind and compassionate and loving to people unless they're a Trump supporter, unless they're a racist, unless yeah. they're a communist, yeah. unless that, you know, and, um, you know, or the disdain for people uh, that's not overt anymore, but still exists in the hearts of people of, of, with racism. Yeah. 
this is what our problem is, brother. And I don't know, guys out there in the borderlands, uh, I don't want to discourage you today. We have a lot of hope to offer you, but it's very crucial uh, for anyone who says that I bow the knee to Jesus. Because here's what's happening with the church, right? People are thinking these people are compromised because of a political vision. Right. Right. Um, these people, right, have shifted from Christ and the gospel and the commands of God's injustice have shifted the home of their heart either to conservative politics or leftist politics. And we think the other has done it and we have not. They feel deeply that somebody else has been co-opted by political expedience, a lust for power, a lust for money and control. And we say they're doing that. We're not. And it's all over the place. Yeah. And in the, you know, even as a, even as a uh, local pastor of a small town, rural church, man, it's, uh, you're still in a university town. So there's some unique true. ingredients that's true. to that university yeah. town. And, and this is like a constant, like this is kind of maybe the central point of conflict in our church and in our community all the time. It's just a, it yeah. is a fault line that is constantly, yeah. it's just there. Yeah. And it's it, a lot of times there's grinding and moving and, and, and quaking happening there. Yeah, they're smashing up, man. Yeah. And and people are leaving churches over these things. People are splitting in churches over these things. There are wonderful coalitions that have formed over, over the last several decades that are yeah. breaking yep. and fracturing over these things. Um, partially because there's people in the borderlands and people get hurt and it matters to yeah. God. So, um, we see, and, and look, these next things, Jesse, I'm going to share these words. These are good things. Uh, we see evangelism happening. That means, Hey, I want to share the good news of whatever to you. I'm going to share the good news of my position of right? us yeah. getting a, yeah. of us getting a Supreme court justice and you not, or us getting one later or yeah. us, yeah. whoever us is right. Um, proselytizing. We want to make converts, um, resistances, we're actually going to talk about uh, gospel resistance here on the mm. podcast in the coming weeks, Jesse. Um, and then the last word that's borrowed from medieval religious culture, inquisitions. Mm. So uh, I, I think human beings can't help but evangelize, proselytize, resist, and uh, do inquisitions. <laughs> I think people can't help it, yeah. man. It's, yeah. it's, history is replete with it. And it's not unique to one religion, ideology, or worldview. It's, it, it's unique to fallen, sinful human beings. So the question is, if you're evangelizing, what gospel do you share? Mm. If you're trying to make converts, uh, what kingdom allegiance are they being converted to? That, that might be a good one of the good kind of diagnostic tools to figure out are my allegiances or identities in the right order? You know, am I more, well, thank I, you for saying that. Yeah, Jesse. I, <laughs> appreciate that. Am I more likely to convert someone to Fox news? Yes. Or to Christ? Am I yes. more likely to convert someone to critical theory or intersectionality or to yeah. Christ? Um, yeah. You know, wherever and you, yeah. that, 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 that's a great, it's an, and flip it to the convert. Is is my conversion to Fox News or Trumpism yeah. or intersectionality or queer theory, whatever it is, is my conversion to this hindering me from converting anybody to the kingdom to of Christ, the kingdom of yeah. Christ, yeah, to Jesus the King, right? Uh, what am I resisting and why, right? Uh, why, why we say why would anyone want to resist racial or getting rid of racial injustice? We should all be on that yeah. team, but some people resist that, right? Yeah. What am I resisting? 
Um, and I don't think any of us have a right to um, hold inquisitions. And that's happened in religious history yeah. from all sorts of, it's happening in different parts of the world today for different religious dialogues. Gulags have been created for political visions where people, uh, red scares, searching out the communists, uh, uh, searching out the people who aren't loyal to Stalin, uh, whatever it might be. Or, or you see this today, if, if you don't have the right view of anti-racism, there seems to be uh, folks that just seem to demand punishment of others, you know, our cancel culture that we've created on all sides. And, and we put these people in camps, bad guys, good guys. Um, and I think, I think, uh, I think Jesus weeps to this yeah, because, um, blessed are the peacemakers for they be called children of God. That's our thing. Our weapons aren't carnal or they're spiritual. Second Corinthians, I think 10 maybe says, uh, which where that verse is, uh, what do we need? Um, what is our armor? What is our battle call? What is our existence? Right. Cause we're in the borderlands, right? You can't, you can't avoid it. Yeah. Um, well, what do we need? Well, we've done a lot of this on the podcast, love for our neighbors, kindness and respect. Uh, we, we called that podcast kindness and civility, but we, we even prefaced it saying we're not using civility, saying people should be calm and be quiet. That's, That's not right. at all That's what right. we were saying. Some people didn't listen to that, but kindness and respect, liberalism, and tolerance and people are like hey, liberalism i watch fox News. liberalism this is freedom <laughs> right the bill of rights freedom of conscience yeah. we need that strength and courage to uh, stand yeah. where we must stand an understanding of others and i think for if you are a christian listening today um if you're not you're probably thinking man what do these christians want right well, some of their allegiances is to leftist or rightist politics or Trumpism. Some of it's not. And I hope if you're listening, you hear from Jesse and me today, here's what we want. We want to love our neighbors. Yes. We want to love our enemies. We want to represent the crucified, suffering servant risen from the dead, forgiving of sins, uh, uh, wrath of God, diverting Jesus yeah. of Nazareth, who's our king, right? And what do we need? There's... A, there's um. There's a word translated, right, in the New Testament, uh, sober, right, sober. We use that word in, in terms of like... Um, not drunk. <laughs> yeah, 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 not drunk, not high. Um, you know, I haven't touched... I am, so, I am sober, officer. Yeah, yeah, I haven't yeah. touched my addictions. I love, yeah. I love it when I see friends, that, you know, put, post a badge about how many days sober. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful thing, yeah. right, to see freedom come through. Sobriety, right? It means a clear, settled state of mind. Mm. And, and the gospel calls us in, in specific ways, both Old and New Testament. We're going to read some to close our podcast today. What do we need? We need sober judgment, sober-mindedness. For instance, Romans 12, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, the members do not all have the same function, they only all have all the same politics. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Mm, That's good. By the way, I think it's right after, mm, maybe not. But I, I do like to go there to, to think through how, how is it that we as um, as a body can lament together and pray and, and, and rejoice together uh, even when something bad has happened to someone that's not me or something good. Yeah. 
yeah. you know, because we are, we're not just individual, we're individually members of one another. That's right. That's here's, right. A, here's another passage. This is second Timothy four, one through five says this, and this is kind of Paul's final charge to his disciple, Timothy, right? This yeah. is right at the very end of his life. And he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. This is very important. If you think other Christians have been compromised by Trumpism or rightism or Christian white nationalism, or if you think some Christians have been compromised by critical race theory and Marxism and these things, we, uh, we are to endure suffering, do yeah. the work of the gospel and fulfill ministry. Uh, we are not right. Um, we, we kick each other out for heresy, false teaching against the gospel, we don't, we don't, because somebody has a disagreement on how America should be configured. Right. This is uh, First Peter. Therefore, prepare your minds for action in the borderlands. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is my hope fully set on? Is it Supreme Court justices? Is it uh, me getting to keep more of my money from taxes? Well, our hope is fully on the grace of God in Christ. That's where we find it. As obedient children, don't be conformed to the former passions of your ignorance, but he who's called you is holy. Also be holy in all your conduct. Mm. Since it is written, you shall be holy as I am holy. And if, if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds... Conduct yourselves with fear throughout your time in exile. That's the borderlands. Knowing that you were ransomed from your futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in the last times, eschatological, uh, for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that... Your faith and hope are in politics. No, I think you got that wrong there. Your faith and hope are in God. That's good. James 1, 19 and 20 says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. Proverbs 18, 2, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his opinion. But that feels so good to do, Reed. <laughs> I'm just reading the Bible today. <laughs> uh. Yeah, another one in Proverbs 18. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Think about that when you think about talking uh, our stuff with each other, right? Mm. Not even listening, right? Mm. Hears. You're not hearing Jimmy, right? And finally, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. Now, this is so clear, Jesse. 
this passage, this is again Paul to his young tutor, uh, the guy he's uh, training tutelage, yeah. his tutelage, Timothy. But be kind to everyone, able to teach patiently, enduring evil. Yeah, correcting his opponents with gentleness, that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Friends out there, you need to stop disobeying God on social media because you're owning someone else. You're not to be quarrelsome. You're to be gentle. You're to endure evil from people. You're to correct others, but with gentleness so that our hope is not that our hope isn't, oh, you're going to get slam dunked by so-and-so or by being ashamed. Oh, we got them or, or, oh, God's going to get you. We want them to be led to repentance yes. and the knowledge of the truth so that they might too taste and see that the Lord is good. And if they don't, at least we have the aroma of Christ. It'll be the smell yeah. of life to some and the smell of death to others. But our conscience, Jesse, has to be bound to God's word, yeah. God's truth, God's character, the way and matter of Jesus even in the world. Jesse, thank you for being with me today. The Bonhoeffer House, The Gospel Underground. We partner in this podcast. Review us on iTunes. Five stars are acceptable. We won't even be mad at you. If you give us two stars, maybe we'll be sad. <laughs> Don't make us sad. We won't get quarrelsome, though. No, we won't get quarrelsome. Send your comments, feedback, questions you'd like for us to take up on The Underground to info at gospelunderground.org. We are Dialogue taking place. And then borderlands between the church and culture. We hope to see you out there. The Lord has sent you there. In one way, God wants you on mission, representing, evangelizing the King of Kings, the crucified Son of God, died and risen for sin and sinners to build a new kingdom and a new breaking in light in the here and now. Preach. Peace. Peace.